Mary and Joseph, like nearly everybody else in Israel, were having a far from ordinary night. What they experienced in the stable was far from ordinary. Weeks before, maybe months before that night that we all know so much about at this point, they were ordered to return to their hometown for a census that the Roman government had been rolling out. It's far from normal. But Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. That night, the shepherd's night, was very ordinary. Very ordinary. They were the only ones. Everybody else is dislocated. They're going to Bethlehem. They're going back. There's the census. There's moving around, finding a place to stay. All that kind of disruption to their life that comes with travel. But for the shepherds, it was an ordinary night. It was not a dark and stormy night. It was not the worst of times. It was not the best of times. It was just an ordinary night for these shepherds. It was a night like any other. And don't forget, they were at work. And they had a cold, dark, wet kind of job. These are shepherds who watch animals. They are responsible to keep them alive with wolves and threats and whatever else and holes to fall in and all the rest of things that sheep need protection from. They're at work. And they do not work at a coffee shop. They are not at home on their couch under the blanket feeling good while the fire crackles. They're out in the middle of a cold, dark night doing their job. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened, verse 9 says. This angel shocked them, stunned them, surprised them, suddenly appearing in the darkness. Divine surprises come at ordinary moments. God has a habit of doing this sort of thing, particularly around the birth of Christ. An angel speaking to Zacharias in Luke 1, surprise, an angel greeting Mary in Nazareth, stunned, this teenage girl was, Elizabeth, pregnant with John the Baptist as she meets her relative Mary, this young girl, surprise, you beginning to see what's happening here? All of these people around Israel getting surprised, shepherds on a cold, dark, but ordinary night, surprise, an angel appears. Have you noticed your state of mind in ordinary times? I invented a new word this week as I pondered what's going on in my brain during ordinary times. I call it waiting, not waiting. You have to say it kind of quick, waiting, not waiting, because my brain is like functioning most of the time. And so it's like functioning but I'm not really like cognitively, passionately focused on what's happened. I'm waiting, not waiting. If something suddenly happened, I would notice it. But on the other hand, a lot of my brain is just sort of cruising on autopilot, right? It's waiting, not waiting. I think that's what's happening with these shepherds. It's a cold night. They're working. They're used to it. They've done it before. They think they'll do it again tomorrow. It's a very ordinary moment. They're waiting, not waiting. We have no evidence from Luke chapter 2 that they were consciously waiting for a Messiah, sitting around doing the ancient Jewish equivalent around the fire of saying, how many more days is it? You know, draw straws, let's guess, let's pray, let's think about it. Let's, chances are they were just at work, 
Like you're just at work and you're just at school and you're just doing homework and you're just mowing the yard or chopping wood or raking leaves or all these other ordinary things we do day after day after day. And they were just doing it. They were definitely Jews, but we don't know anything about their faith. Were they devout? Were they passionate? Were they looking up at the stars and retelling themselves Abraham and the story and there's going to be descendants and one of those, you know, we don't know. Were they trained in the scriptures? Were their hearts yearning for a Messiah because of some personal problems? Or were they just looking around saying, something going to attack the sheep? Put a few logs more in the fire? What was on their mind? It's entirely possible that their spiritual vibrancy was the same as yours about a minute before your alarm clock goes off. And five minutes, and some of you snooze, and eight, and 16, and 24, and all these multiples that you keep clicking the snooze, right? It's entirely possible that that's where their faith was, just moving through, just moving through. Luke 2, we find out that Jesus' time, that, that Jews at Jesus' time of birth could have just been having their own waiting, not waiting moments, just going through life. And suddenly, suddenly this divine surprise happens in an ordinary moment. Verse 10, we're going to work our way through most of Luke 2, but verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. I feel like these shepherds, hearing that angel say, this will be a sign for you, if they were sort of as practical and thick-headed as me, could have said, you know, I'm, I'm not actually looking. Like, I mean, in order for it to be a sign for me, I have to be looking. So, like, should I bend over and check around amongst the sheep? Is that, I mean, this will be a sign for you. Like, I mean, the angel's hard to miss. Giant divine being sent straight from heaven with a message from God. Okay, that part we got, but this will be a sign for you? Like, I'm not looking for signs. I've been sitting right here, pretty sure a baby didn't wander into the sheepfold. So what's going on? Divine surprises come in ordinary moments. For all of us, with our waiting, not waiting moments, the sun is ready to surprise us during the Novembers of our lives. What you were thinking and feeling and experiencing a month ago, what goes on in our lives with the season as a whole, doesn't reach us always on deep heart levels. The things going through our brain a month ago, the things that will happen in a month, are not the sorts of things that our culture automatically addresses and works through. But God is working through those things. God is preparing. Jesus is surprising us. The sun came for the Januaries of our lives. He came for the Novembers of our lives. And as we worship this morning, would you enter into Advent if you haven't already? Would you be walking in the idea that a sun has come? There will be a sign for you. There is a sign for you. You're at church, of course, but have you entered into what Christ wanted to stimulate for you? Would you enter into the anticipation of a Savior who will come again? Advent means coming. So it is the Son who has come, but it's also the Son who will come. And if you want to come on that journey, the shepherd's model 
a few helpful activities. The first one's easy. I always like good news. The first one's easy. You just have to be where you are. The shepherds were not looking for the sign. They were just where they were. God sent the angel to them. So you have to be where you are. There's no need for change or motion yet. Some of you want to leave already. But for those of you who are going to stay around, there's no need for motion yet. The second thing is you have to get surprised. This is not going to be so easy for some of us. Sudden appearances from God create spiritual advances for you. But that is not necessarily easy. This is why so many times in the scriptures, God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because it is frightening. And these shepherds aren't condemned. And you won't be condemned if you feel fear. In fact, God is good. That's why his servants say, don't be afraid all the time. We know we just blew your mind. We know we just like, wow, what just happened? An angel? What? (laughs) Just watching my sheep. An angel, you know. Don't be afraid. It blows our mind, but don't be afraid. God brings good news even if his activity sparks fear. I want to make a suggestion, by the way. This is tangential, but if you end up in God conversations with people, which can kind of spontaneously happen sometimes, if you end up in those God conversations, it might not hurt. I thought of this. It might not hurt to do what the angels did, which is just say, hey, don't be afraid. Because chances are that person, if they're far from God, which is something our D group is working out upstairs, but that person may just need you to say, don't be afraid. And if you do that, you're doing the same thing that God's servants have been saying for centuries. Don't be afraid. I know I just blew your mind, but don't be afraid. I know this just threatened, like you feel like your whole existence got threatened, but don't be afraid. Back to the Advent journey. So be where you are. The shepherds are just sitting in the field. Secondly, there'll be a surprise. Third, you'll have to take a little trip. They've got to to take a little trip. And lastly, you'll return to the same place with praise on your lips. That's the way the shepherds return his praise ever on their lips, praising and glorifying God, the scriptures say, for all that they've heard and seen, just as had been told them. There's this song called Ever Be, this worship song, Ever Be. It says, you father the orphan, your kindness makes us whole, and you shoulder our weakness, and your strength becomes our own. Faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing, your praise will ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. The shepherds praise him because he shouldered their weakness. They praise him because his kindness made them whole. They praise him because he's a faithful God who's kept his promises to Abraham and sent the Messiah that they needed, even when they were just keeping sheep. But if we're honest, some of us are more like the shepherds in the field than the shepherds going back with praise on their lips. How does God move us from one spiritual place or level to the next or some farther, higher, greater level? Well, you're a smart group, but we'll read verse 13 to 15, and I think you're going to see it. Verse 13 says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Here's how God grows our faith. Here's how he redirects our lives. Spiritual progress starts with what you don't know. 
Maybe you didn't immediately pick up on it, but the angel has come from the presence of God with knowledge of what God's doing, and he explains it to shepherds who've not been paying attention. They're not looking for the sign. So the shepherds realize there's a gap between what we know and what this angel knows. They start out with what they don't know. The angels are proclaiming God, they're declaring what's true, and the shepherds realize we don't know anything about that. It's, it, it's easy to jump to the action step, and we will, but what else can they do besides go when they realize we don't know anything about this? We didn't know this, didn't know there was a Messiah, didn't know the baby was born tonight. We you know, it's an ordinary night for them. Mary and Joseph, they know. <laughs> they know, right? But the shepherds, they don't know. Spiritual progress starts with what you don't know. And that hurts our pride, at least some of us. Most of us, if we've been around the Christian community a while, we start to get in the rhythms, we start to have the knowledge, we start to have the habits. We're pretty familiar with most of kind of how the life works. We can get out of this habit, but be alert to that possibility. If you think you've lost touch with what you don't know, if it's sort of crept in that you you just kind of, I'm not saying you would consciously be saying, I know it all. But sometimes we can get so familiar that we lose touch with what we don't know. It could be comfort, it could be pride, it could be just the repetition. But you end up not appreciating as much who God is, what he's done. The splendor of the king clothed in majesty loses the luster in your eyes. It just doesn't seem quite as bright. And for all of us, the restoration may be a divine shepherd, I'm sorry, a divine surprise like these shepherds had that night. It may just be this, this total mix-up where we're like, whoa, God just spoke. I'm surprised, but it just reset my humility. It just helped me realize, wow, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And those moments come to us no matter how many years we've been walking with God. Just because you're having lunch with friends or don't know who don't know Jesus, surprise, it can come right then. You could be a prayer warrior for your neighbors, and surprise, God shows up in an incredible way for you. How humble are you? Well, that's a super difficult question to answer, right? None of us can do that. Maybe another way is to think, when was the last time God surprised me? When was the last time that what I thought I knew turned out to be way smaller than what he really knows? When was the last time I was aware, really aware of how little I know? These shepherds realized through a divine surprise that they were not nearly as informed about God's activity as they thought they were. They were not understanding exactly what God was doing on this very ordinary night for them. Because just down the road, just across the field, just within walking distance, was an extraordinary night that was the best of times. An extraordinary God sometimes surprises Christians in ordinary moments. And spiritual progress requires that you go. Urgent motion comes after divine surprises. There's this reality, you've been waiting for it, right? You've talked about spiritually not knowing, said you don't have to go yet. Well, the moment to go has arrived. Let's read verses 15 through 20. I'm repeating some of the verses just so we keep hearing from God on this all-important story. Verse 15, when the angels had gone away from them, the shepherds, into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, 
glorifying and praising God for all that they had been told. I'm sorry, for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Did you notice how Luke repeats the phrase made known? Made known in verse 15, made known in verse 17. Verse 20 is a little different. It's almost the same words, but the things that had been told them. So it's made known, it's made known, it's just like what they had been told. All this repetition, I mean, why would Luke do this? Make known, make known, what's he doing here? What's well, a key pattern of the spiritual life? God makes truth known to us, we grasp it for ourselves, and then there's a time when we spread it, we share it, we pass it on. That's what the shepherds did. They heard God. They saw it for themselves, and they went out talking about it, singing it, telling it, spreading it, sharing it. This is why 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, You, believers, are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. He made an appeal to you, believe in my son Jesus Christ, and now through you, for those of you who have done it, he's making an appeal through you to other people. When you tell others Jesus has been my way maker, you're saying, I'm letting the message go through me. I'm letting the message go through me. When your divine surprise has happened, when you've gone on your little trip and you've realized that's not just some baby in a manger, that divine surprise that interrupted my ordinary moment is the king of kings, then you go back and you go back singing your heart out. You'll notice the shepherds went back. The deep faith was in their hearts the deep praise is on their lips, and they're going back, back right to the same place. The message was spreading to other people that they know. Most of their obedience, most of our obedience too, is going back. It's not getting out of our lives. It's not ending all of our relationships. It's not quitting everything we've been doing forever and disconnecting ourselves from all of our past activities. Some, probably, but not all. These shepherds go back, and most of their obedience is going back, being the same people with a new vision for life, being the same people with the same other people that you work with or live with or are next to, and being in the same place with a totally different heart, totally different mind, totally different attitude, speaking into the life in a different way. These people, this reality that a Savior has been born for us makes them come alive in a new way, and they go back praising, but more than that, they go back telling. And, they're, and they're, they're new people in former dynamics. It's like a light on a wobbly table. Like the table hasn't changed, but now there's like a light on it shining, and nobody can miss it. Is it the same old table? Yep, but there's a light shining on this table. And it's not just humans, by the way. It's not just the shepherds. You notice the angels went back to heaven, too. That's beyond me other than just to say that angels tend to go back to heaven. It's beyond me to explain that, but this is the ordinary pattern, come and go, come and go, come and go. The shepherds do it on earth, the angels did it to heaven. You and I will always walk through the ordinary, bringing the extraordinary with us, bringing the grace and truth of Jesus Christ with us. Because the reality is, these shepherds went to see him because he came to see them. They went where he was because he came where they were. And then they went back and they said, someone came to see us. Someone came to change us. I saw this little baby. When you go back, most of you, in a sense, are back. 
just here right now, but it'll be this afternoon, it'll be this week. When you go back, when you're in those places in your ordinary life rhythms, that's okay. It's in those places, it's among those kind of people that the shepherds have one last divine surprise. That's the journey of the waiting, not waiting people that we are. We're just going through the motions. There's a divine surprise, there's an urgent trip, and there's a song of praise. And go back, go back, the scriptures say, singing your hearts out. Singing your hearts out. Has the birth of Christ birthed praise in you? Has the birth of Christ birthed joy in you? Verse 20 gives me the impression that these Jews were sort of, these shepherds, I mean, I feel almost like they were shouting so loud that it's kind of like they burst out of a Jewish pub at three in the morning and they're like, for he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow. And they're having a good time, you know what I mean? And they're loud. And people the next hill over out in the field are kind of like, oh man, they've been gone a long time. (laughs) And they are loud right now. It is the middle of the night. Why are these guys so loud? Why are they shouting? Why are they singing? What is this song in their lips? And they can hear them coming from far away. This raucous band of shepherds who've had some kind of stimulating experience as they come over the hill and they're shouting and they're singing and they're so loud that everybody's kind of like, hey, it's the middle of the night. We don't really do that. We have like a noise curfew in the fields. We're trying to keep the sheep asleep, trying to keep this. Can we just be chill? We don't really do the loud singing thing. Can we just take it down a notch maybe? But as the shepherds get closer and closer, the sound, the noise, the raucousness comes in and they realize that's praise. What is going on? They are praising God. They went over the hill, the angel, but now they're coming back praising. What is going on? These men didn't burst out of some pub. They're not drunk, to borrow the language of Acts chapter 2. It's the Holy Spirit of God that has made them understand that little baby is the King of Kings. And through the Holy Spirit's work in their life, just like Acts chapter 2, they are bursting out in praise and things they didn't even understand, didn't even know, weren't even thinking about. They're praising. This happened with Moses. Seventy people prophesied, the Spirit comes on them, happens in Acts 2, the Spirit comes down on people like tongues of fire, and they're praising the Lord. They're not singing about a jolly good fellow, some sort of just raucous, good-natured time as friends, and they're singing the name that is above every name, glorifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords, saying, there is born for us a Savior today. Has the birth of Christ birthed praise in you? And there's a spectrum here. How much you don't know, whatever that is, all of us are in different places spiritually, but how much you don't know on one side, all the way over here to we've got praise on our lips and we can't be still and it's the middle of the night with the shepherds and we're shouting and singing and we've just had a, there's a spectrum there. But wherever you are on that spectrum, I have a very important question for you. How many of you would guess what I had for lunch in high school? It's not the question you were expecting. I can tell. The answer relates to divine surprises. I was a super picky eater in high school. But my high school had hot dogs every day, mass-produced hot dogs. And I, because I was a consistent sort of person, wanted, like, consistency. Might not be the best tasting, but I knew what to expect, okay? This is me. So I knew what to expect. So every day, two hot dogs, 
day after day after day after day. Now on Fridays, my high school would bring in name brand pizza like Papa John's or Domino's. So that was Friday. We would change. We would accept, you know, pizza, right? I mean, I'm not going to turn that down. So every Friday is pizza. But every other day for four years pretty much is two hot dogs with ketchup. No relish, none of that other stuff. Those of you who are into that, none of that stuff. Just ketchup. I was a picky eater. I don't embrace craziness. I don't get excited about lots of things. But some of my key spiritual moments have been the shocks of God, have been those surprises where he finds his way into my world. And I'm going, keep it quiet down here. Keep it quiet. Let's not, let's not be getting radical. And he says, let me break in with a truth that's going to shock you, but you need to hear it. Now, what comes of these divine surprises? Because if you're anything like me, you're eating your two hot dogs a day, having no idea what you're missing. And God's like, I must break through to you because I love you. I must shock you because I have something better for you. So what comes of these surprises? Well, as we wrap up, the shepherd's experience has a few kind of principles for us. Number one, divine surprises always include a return to normal life. Part of the reason God can say don't be afraid is you'll be going back into normal life. The shepherds had an out-of-this-world experience. They took a little trip from their ordinary life to go see this extraordinary reality, the birth of the baby Jesus, and then they returned to their sheep and their fields. Different on the inside, very similar on the outside for the most part. Divine surprises always include a return to normal life. Number two, divine surprises always spark some kind of transformation. A very Christian, theological, biblical word for this is repentance. I'm very comfortable with that. Turning life around, stopping certain behaviors, living for Jesus. Absolutely true. You can call it repentance. You can call it transformation. But the arrival of God, the surprise of a Savior, means a drastic change in our lives. Moving on. Something extraordinary penetrates the normality of our life, and we begin to progressively act different, talk different, think different, spend different, go different, live different, sing differently. All of these things change. Number three, divine surprises result in rejoicing. To encounter the activity of God in your life deepens your gratitude, brings out rejoicing. When you see and hear and realize the Lord is at work, rejoicing increases. Consider your spiritual trajectory, the path of your life, up, down, left, right. If you're on this spectrum going, I, I don't know what I don't even know. Or if you're over here this morning saying, his praise will ever be on my lips, I'm full of it, I'm just overflowing. I'm going to burst out the doors over there into the parking lot and wake up some neighbors. Wherever you are, wherever you are, has God shocked you into great joy? Has God surprised you into more joy than you had before? Has it sort of shocked you out of your normal life path at different moments and created this rejoicing in you, this greater volume to talk about how great God is? Look at the end of verse 20 and we'll be done. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. They are praising and glorifying God for what they had seen, what they had heard, just as had been told them. That last phrase, just as had been told them, is where I wanted us to end this morning. You probably think I'm being a language dork again, and I kind of am. But I think it's a really important phrase, just as I had been told again. Because the angel that came that started this whole spiritual moment is not what the shepherds are going around talking about. The angel didn't say, let me tell you about myself. And the shepherds aren't going around saying, let me tell you about this angel. 
The angel didn't tell the shepherds about God's covenant to David the king that he will have a son on his throne forever, although that's true and it's in the scriptures. The angel didn't tell the shepherds this long theological reason why they should be praying or praising or why they shouldn't be afraid. He didn't go on and on and on and on and say, in the book of Exodus, let me tell you, in the book of Jeremiah, let me tell you. He didn't do this over and over. The angel told the shepherds, you will find a baby. There has been born for you a savior. So when the shepherds go back, when they return, they didn't glorify and praise God for the sudden appearance of an angel. They didn't glorify God and praise him and say, he kept his promises to King David. Someone really is on the throne. And they didn't go back glorifying and praising God saying, we have a reason not to be afraid. Let me tell you what Jeremiah 13, 7 says, and then we'll go back to Exodus 25, 6, and, and, all, and Genesis, you know, they didn't go back. They didn't have this long theological reason, and I want you to know the scriptures. I want you to be able to do that to some extent, but the shepherds went back saying, today a Savior is born for us, and we are glorifying and we're praising God. And we're not thinking about ancient promises that were fulfilled, although they were, and we're not ready to quote long theological things that put people to sleep. We are just saying a Savior has been born for us, and it's today. And we are surprised, and we are rejoicing, and we are singing. And yes, it's the middle of the night, and it's cold, and it's dark, and it's wet, but we're singing anyway. And yes, our life was so ordinary, but we are singing. We are singing. Because the angel isn't the main idea. A life without fear isn't the main idea. A God who keeps his promises isn't the main idea. A savior has been born. And that's the main idea. This is our joy. That's what sent the shepherds home singing. They go back singing their hearts out. His praise will ever be on their lips. Because he shouldered their weakness. He showed them kindness. He fathered the orphan. That's the life you can live when you're in your ordinary moments. You go back, you return with the divine surprise. A savior has been born. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Jesus, there is not much else we can do at a moment like this except say that you have the name that is above every name. We're looking backward, and we're finding out that the rejoicing isn't done yet, the trusting isn't done yet, the spiritual growth isn't done yet, because you're a God who's not done yet. And most of us probably have a lot of ordinary moments coming this week. Most of us had a lot of ordinary moments last week. And you were gracious and good in those moments, and maybe... For some of us like me who aren't so keen on surprises and mixing it up, you've got some surprises this week for us. We know you to be a God who shoulders our weakness, who fathers the orphan, who pours out your love on us through your Holy Spirit, who does wonderful works in our life. So we say, I have a Savior. I have a Savior I wasn't even anticipating. I have a Savior I didn't even know about. I don't even understand, but I have a Savior. That's what we can discover this week, anew, afresh. Some of us have known it for years and years and years, but we can discover it all over again, and we can rejoice because of it. We thank you. We praise you. Your grace does abound even where sin abounds. Your grace abounds all the more, and your mercy and your love and your patience, and we are so thankful for it. 
We praise you. We glorify you. We exalt you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As you go, there's a song written in 1910, an old hymn. It's called, He Keeps Me Singing. And this is how it goes. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Some of you know this. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week. Thank you for coming to worship.